You're cutting out a little bit. All right, let me hold on. No, you're good. I don't care. Harry's the one who's going to have the conniption. <laughs> We're going to get 11 p.m. nasty grams every night of the weekend. So I'm just getting some water over here. And we got, we're waiting for Zeke. We're keeping him waiting. That's what we like to do on this podcast. Keep important people waiting. Jordan is replugging into the matrix. All right. Is that better? I think so. Hopefully. Man. What else do we have to talk about? BPI came out. So that was interesting. A little bit of at-risk inventory. Imports doing really well. I don't have any idea what that at-risk inventory could be. Right? And it's weird because the premium light number is still pretty static. What, 50, 51? I forget. I know. That's been the craziest thing is seeing like the premium light trends and they really haven't changed at all because below the surface, everything's just trading off. And I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. It's, It's pretty incredible. I know people are tired of hearing about it. And we're definitely tired of reporting on it as well, but it is just unbelievable. Since I've been working here, like, you know, it's been guaranteed that Bud Light, no matter the time frame, channel, and the off-premise is going to be number one brand Yep, selling. Doesn't matter. By far. And now that's just not the case, you know, in latest time frames. And that was like the one thing I could guarantee no matter what. You could say the same thing blindfolded next year, right? It'd be like, <laughs> mark, mark this same interview, same time for next year. I'm still going to have the same factoid. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah, a lot of trade going on in premium lights. You know, we had the story about Yingling today and the crazy gains they've seen. We'll see if they can keep up with supply. But the other thing that I thought was interesting from BPI was just how strong that imports number was. It was like 75. And it was the first time this year that they had outpaced their year ago trends. And obviously I think that has little to do with Bud Light Gay. That's just import strength, yeah. right? Yeah. And we were talking, I don't know when Cinco would show up, if it would be more April or May, like you said, for people just kind of replenishing inventories. I think it was replenishing. I think. I, I, I mean, think I think Cinco it was just- is related Cinco. somehow mm-hmm. in there, but uh, it is a really high number and mm-hmm. they, I think below premium is the only one that has been able to outpace its year ago comp for a while. So that's telling. Totally. Well, we'll see soon. We'll get the full picture of Cinco soon, but yeah, let's, we need some good news in the beer industry. Let's say we had a super strong Cinco. That's the (laughs) lesson. We just had to replenish a ton. Yeah. That's good for two companies. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. I've been saying that because I have a friend who says it. So now I've been saying, oh my God. I like to say E. Oh my God. Well, shall we let old Zeke in? Yeah. Let's do it. He's been patiently waiting for us. Hello. That's okay. Technical difficulties are part of our show. It's, yeah, it's very much part of the brand. So so funny. I said to myself, when you get on the very most important thing, don't say, can everyone hear me? Okay. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Totally fine. We're in good shape. So did I miss where all my dreams come true? Because my dreams are coming true. Oh, no, that part comes right now. Okay, excellent. (laughs) Yeah. Today, I would like to welcome to BeerNet Radio, Zeke Durantini. Did I say that right? You did, which is very rare. So I'm I, that's awesome. Yes, during way to go, Jen. Points yeah, for me. Jen. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, we'd like to welcome to Beer Night Radio, where all your dreams come true. And legally, I have to add, allegedly. No. Well, I can confirm they're coming true right now. So. Perfect. Happening awesome. in real time. And hi, Jordan. <laughs> to meet you as well. 
Cool. Well, let me give our listeners a little bit of background. So you are VP of sales for Spiked in DSD, Spindrift. And I believe Spindrift has been around since like 2010. It's a leading player in the non-alk sparkling water segment. You guys are the first sparkling water made with real squeezed fruit. Uh, more recently, you've entered into the hard space and now you send Spindrift Spike to about 21 states, I believe. Yeah. And this is a perfect timing for our chat because, you know, it's the Friday of Memorial Day weekend. You guys just came out with a new flavor, the strawberry, real squeeze strawberry with lime, right? Strawberry lemonade, which I will be drinking this weekend. You've made me the hero of my Saturday night barbecue because I'm going to take these cans and be like, you guys can't get this here right now, but you know me. So so I I tested it out. It's good. It's got no aftertaste, which I think is part of, you know, your whole raison d'etre, right? Like everything is all natural, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, well, we'll dig into that. But first, I'm going to ask you the hard-hitting question. Okay, so why did you guys decide to get into the BevAlk side of things to begin with? And what kind of trends are you guys seeing? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So we are very fortunate at Spindrift to have such a loyal fan base. We affectionately refer to them as our drifter community. And <laughs> as, you know, as the category started to grow, as more and more entrants came into the category, we had an overwhelming request from our drifter community to, you know, when are you getting in? When are you gonna when are you gonna have something to offer in this space? So we take that feedback and we take a look at those requests and it actually took us about two years to to develop Spindrift Spike through, you know, two years of taste testing and some trial and error there. And around March twenty twenty one, we finally found a version that we deemed delicious enough to share with the market. Nice. And so is there a lot of crossover between, you know, the non-alk drinkers of your core product and the Spindrift Spike drinkers? Is that pretty high? That's, I mean, that's a great question. It's also, it's a hard thing to quantify, right? So it's challenging to quantify that in the sense that, you know, I think our best recruitment tool is our drifter community, is those is that hardcore loyal fan base, right? So, you know, here we are two years later, and a lot of that coming through word of mouth from those really hardcore fans. And here we are two years later, and a lot of our key retailers are also the key retailers for the sparkling side of things. So it's really about, you know, making sure that we are creating that purchase opportunity where we know the fans of the sparkling water are going to purchase their sparkling water to also create that opportunity for Spike. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure it's not a secret to you guys that the, this hard seltzer industry has seen tougher times in the last couple of years. So how are you guys doing? Can you give me any trend, any projections, like paint a little picture as to how it's going? Absolutely. Okay. Are you, now this is a change in the narrative. Are you ready for some good news? When yeah. It comes to, uh, we're uh, just saying we need category. some good news. Yes. Okay, let's have some, and to your point, you're right. It's perfectly timed going into Memorial Day weekend and products flying off the shelf. So yeah, we started, we had a very um, measured sort of launch, right? What we did was we started in two key markets, the first being Massachusetts, Rhode Island, with our partners at Horizon Beverage there, and then also Southern California with Stone Distributing. And that was essentially the first 10 months of our market release was just focusing on those two markets. We had we were developing our strategy, but we also had some things to figure out. So big kudos to Horizon and Stone for being really good partners through that process and helping us figure that all out. And then really a little bit towards the end of 2021, but mostly in the spring 2022 and really through the summer and into fall, that's when we started to focus on more of a mass expansion. So we finished 2022 at about 19 states with about 49 wholesalers as well. We've continued that growth into Q1 and so yes, I mean, even through you know April year to date now, our growth is about 300%. 
Something I like to keep a close eye on are those two first markets, right? How are we performing there? If we rely on expansion solely as a strategy, eventually you got nowhere to expand to. So in those within those key markets there too, in those first two that we had launched, we're still seeing growth of you know upwards of 60%. And that is driven by some deeper distribution, but also our velocity is increasing there. So we know that it's resonating with the consumer. To me, that really speaks to the health of the brand to see the continued velocity, even in those mature markets. Yeah. And are you guys seeing a day or hoping that you can play among the top, say, you know, five, 10 hard seltzers or FMBs in a particular market? Of course. I mean, I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be an effective VP of sales if that wasn't, you know, (laughs) eventually part of the goal. But even in some early results, like fall for us, we were lucky enough to be awarded a ton of national account distribution in fall of 2022. So now that we're getting into more of that spring season. Um, we're thrilled to see that, you know, we are a top five brand where we have distribution in Whole Foods. For Fred Meyer up in the Pac Northwest, we're a top five brand too. And we were originally, you know, we were competing more on a dollars per point of distribution, but now it's, it's relief to see. And we're excited to see that yeah, we're also competing on a unit sales level as well. Right, so. right. One more question for me, and then I'll pass it to Jordan. Oh. You know, you mentioned about being in store, right? Do you, because obviously this has been sort of something we've been covering lately. How do you merchandise? Because like you can't totally merchandise, you know, next to the core product because you don't want any confusion. So, so how do you go to market like that? We, we want to create that separation. Mm-hmm. I think... As a, a alcohol brand with a non-alcoholic counterpart, you know, I am a firm believer in taking that responsibly responsibility very seriously. You know, I speak on behalf of everyone that we where we found some opportunity to cross merchandise, we want to make sure that we are creating that point of difference. But the path to market for the two are so separate that we know that if we want to create those points of interruption in store, it's important to do that. The the old beer 101, you know, on the path to to where the beer coolers are. So while we are trying to harness as much of that crossover as we can, I think what's more important to us is to avoid creating any confusion out in retail. Yeah. Well, just kind of picking up on that, you know, it sounds like y'all are taking it serious, taking the right approach to separating these two, but do you kind of pay attention to maybe some of the other brands? Are there any other crossover brands that kind of worry you or you think everyone's kind of, you know, taking it? the right way. I don't, I wouldn't speak any to specifically to any brands that, that I could call out that worry me. I think that it's a shared responsibility, right? And if there is anyone that's emerging, that seems to be crossing over into that line, we have to be very realistic that that, that impacts all of us negatively right. too. You know, regardless of if you're taking a responsible approach to that, or you're a little bit more reckless with it, what's good for one of us is good for all of us. And the same works for if that line is getting crossed or blurred in any way. Yeah. Well, Zeke, I wanted to ask a little bit about your background because you have, you know, experience in BevValk and then coming over and what was the process like of creating a spiked crossover of a non-op brand? I'm sure it's not as easy as, hey, let's just, you know, spike (laughs) this and then sell it. Yeah, we'll throw some, we'll throw some ultra filtered fermented cane sugar there and call it a day. No, it was, it really was, it was, it's an undertaking. I think that for me, and I think this is reflected in my background to your point as well, like it's very important to me to represent something that I feel aligned with. I think that 
we as you know, and how we go to market, if I'm, if I'm representing something and going out and building something that I'm not also a firm believer in and don't believe in the merits of, that's not exactly, that's not a sustainable cycle. So the process with building Spindrift out is we were so lucky and that's worked to our advantage in so many ways to have the older sibling of the sparkling water brand there. It gets us a seat at a lot of tables that, you know, a, a startup brand that's taken a similar path to ours wouldn't have availability or access to. So that has been, that's been huge, but really our, the way that we go to market and operating within three tier in the BevOps space is completely different than the way that the sparkling brands go to market. So we've built that, that our wholesaler network, our DSC network up from the ground up really over the last two years. We also have some select wholesalers that are carrying the 16 ounce non-alcoholic, the 16 ounce sparkling brand in their portfolio as well. And we love to see that, you know, I think that really deepens the understanding of who we are as a brand and what we do. Jen, I saw your ears perking up. There. <laughs> well, I, you have a few follow-ups to that, but yeah. So, so from what I'm hearing, it sounds like most of your ALK and non-ALK distributors are separate, except for those ALK distributors who also have the 16 ounce non-ALK can. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. So of our current 53 wholesaler partners, it's correct with all but one. Shout out to Feral Distributing in Vermont. They were a previous wholesaler for, they were previously distributing our eight pack and they still are. And that was the only instance in which we layered in um, the spike portfolio to an existing wholesaler as well. Got it. That's super interesting because of course the wholesalers, the BevOut wholesalers want the 16 ounce single serve for their C-store. Yeah. I'm sure they love that. Right. So absolutely. That's interesting. So, well, first of all, tell us, tell your, our listeners about your background. Sure. So I started, I started in the beer business with New Belgium Brewing back in 2008. And actually I had the pleasure, I was there, I think, I want to say it was around 2010 or 2011, Jen, when you and Harry came to Fort Collins and spoke to the team as well. Um, But I started there, I started with New Belgium Brewing, working in, actually covering the San Francisco market, um, expanded a little bit out into Northern California, and then worked, moved to Washington and worked under Rich Rush there, who's been a mentor to me as long as I've been in the business. And uh, that was Oregon, Washington. We did the rollout of Alaska during that time. We did the rollout of BC and Alberta during that time. So that was an incredible moment in my career there and really enjoyed it. Left there and actually moved back to Northern California, kind of managed Northern California and Northern Nevada, and then went to work with Allagash Brewing. Wow. Okay. And was working with the Allagash team there, kind of covering everything from, from the West Coast, from, from the Great Lakes over, and had an amazing experience. I can't, I have nothing but the absolute best things. I've been very lucky and very privileged to work with some incredible brands. And then after that, I left, I actually left Allagash and went back to New Belgium Brewing and managed the sales for Magnolia okay. Brewing as well, too. And was there managing those sales, managing Magnolia Brewing sales all the way up until, until the acquisition. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. That, that's quite the pedigree. So <laughs> I, right place, right time. I, nice. I wish I could say, oh, this was all part of my master plan, but I, I just happened to follow that passion and that enthusiasm to the brands that I gravitated towards. And it's worked out really well for me. Awesome. Are- Great brands. Awesome brands. And same thing brought me to to Spindrift. I think, you know, through the looking through the lens of a consumer of Spindrift long before I was a member of the team, it's a brand that I've always had an emotional connection to as long as I've been, as long as I've been drinking it. One of those like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. It's just what I like in it, you know, to, 
I was a big sparkling water fan, big sparkling water consumer. And, you know, those first sips of trying Spindrift is almost like when, you know, you're in your early 20s, you're mostly drinking domestic light lagers. And then you try your first Sierra Nevada pale ale and you realize there's a whole world out there. You guys definitely, your drifters are hardcore. So like there's a couple single serves of the spin drift at my Starbucks. And I swear every time I have the same barista and he's always like, I get the big pack at Costco and they're so much more affordable. Like, you know, you've got fam people everywhere, but remind me, I mean, it's, it is a significant player among the flavored non-alk waters, right? Like it's gotta be top five, top 10 among that, the larger set. Top 10, we're currently at number eight on the sparkling water side, but as far as growth goes, we're number two in the U.S. for growth. So we're closing the gap there, but yeah, currently sitting at number eight year to date. Right. Big brand. So tell us about the new strawberry lemonade flavor, and then maybe foray into some of the, your overall top selling, you know, packages and flavors. Absolutely. So strawberry lemonade, we've been working on this one for a bit. We're very excited. Just like everything else we do, it's made with real squeezed fruit. We have an ultra filtered base from fermented cane sugar. Strawberry lemonade is we use strawberries, lemons, a little bit of lime, sparkling water, and they the ultra filtered fermented cane sugar there. This one is available in eight packs. So we now have, you know, originally we launched with our, with our first variety pack, affectionately called staycation. So our staycation pack, And we had that for about the first year and change. Last year, we layered in the Paradise Pack as well. So another 12-pack variety pack. And they're each four separate flavors. And Blood Orange Tangerine from the Paradise Pack quickly emerged just based on consumer feedback and the, you know, sampling people at festivals and things like that. Blood Orange Tangerine quickly emerged as a favorite, a fan favorite amongst the two variety packs. We also recently updated the Staycation Pack and added that Strawberry Lemonade into the, the variety pack. And then we're now going, you know, broad market with the strawberry lemonade eight pack. We just launched these within the last couple of weeks and early feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. So we're very excited about it. It gives us the opportunity to play more on the on-premise, more in some small formats where, you know, having your portfolio consist of two 12 pack variety packs might not always be the best fit. And then larger packs. Are you guys, I mean, obviously single service huge. Are, do you have any single service in the alcoholic space or are you looking at that at all? Not yet, but <laughs> we have some really exciting innovations coming for 2024. We, and yes, that including, you know, having a single serve pack, a couple of single serve packs as well, because as we continue to grow, we want to make sure that we are catering to the different channels of business that are opening up to us as well. And, you know, if we want to occupy that sort of craft segmentation within the category, we want to make sure that we're continually innovating and offering new and exciting things for our consumers. And our 2024 plan aligns very well with that. Jay, back to you. Yeah. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about top overall markets? Absolutely. I mean, of our top overall markets, we... Southern California and Massachusetts, those really, you know, for us are becoming mature markets from a velocity standpoint and overall quality of distribution. Those are still, you know, some of our top markets. We launched New York with Union Distributing about a year ago, and that quickly emerged as a top market for us as well. We, we also have the PAC Northwest Columbia Distributing has been amazing partners in Oregon and Washington, and we're continuing to to still, you know, grow on both velocity and volume there. And I just spent this last week working the market in Colorado with Breakthrough Beverage there too. And Colorado, as the snow is melting, is really starting to emerge as one of those top markets as well. And how closely does that match with overall Spindrift's top markets? 
So we initially picked, before we knew who our key retailers were going to be, we initially pitched, you know, picked those, the markets that we were going into and sort of built our expansion plan around where we had the most community engagement, as well as where we saw, you know, the highest velocity and the best turns on the sparkling brands. That strategy worked really well. We had engaged those retailers as well that were existing top accounts for sparkling. And now we are still following that strategy, but we're taking also now a, more of a retail-led approach and we're partnering with our key retailers. We're saying, okay, you you tell us where what makes sense, where we should go next. And that's been a successful formula. Yeah. And do y'all lean on any insights from the non-ALK side to inform the BevAlk side at all? That's what we do. I think we, like I said, we take that feedback from our consumers. We take it very seriously. They are what helped us become Spindrift. And we take that all into consideration. And I think to use Strawberry Lemonade as an example, that was a very successful launch on the sparkling side of things. And as soon as I tried the sparkling version, I immediately thought to myself, I cannot wait to get my hands on a spiked version. <laughs> so I can't absolutely. wait to pour in that cane, that alcohol cane base into this. <laughs> Just kidding. And boom, done, right? There's a little more nuance than that as we know, but yeah. but yes, Jordan, to answer your question, absolutely. We have the ability to allow the successes of the sparkling team to inform our path forward on the spike side. And how about, I don't think you spoke directly to this. I mean, I know you're listening to your retailers, obviously, but any new markets on the horizon? We do. Yeah, we have, well, six new markets. So the plan for the end of the year is we'll be in 31 states total. Where we sit today, we're actually at 24 states currently across 53 wholesalers. We have five states currently that we're just awaiting state registration. So our strategy has been, and we learned this year with last year, we were so go, we were so focused on expansion as tends to happen, you know, in the category that we see those seasonal declines in Q4. So we use that time to work through agreements with wholesalers, figure out what that next step of expansion is going to be, put all those pieces in place so that when we move into Q1, we're ready to go and make a big impact in the market. And the flip side of that, where we are today is, We also don't want to lose sight of the importance of supporting our existing markets that we're in during the key summer selling months, being the best partner we can to our retailers and our wholesalers and taking a pause from that rapid expansion and making sure we're focusing on driving distribution. Cool. And uh, supply is all secure, buttoned up. Yes, we are very fortunate to be in that position that we've had no issues with any, you know, no cans, no packaging materials. And for us, the unique proposition being that real squeezed fruit that we've had no problem sourcing that fruit. And again, I credit that to us being able to piggyback on the sparkling brand. And we've been so fortunate to have that. So no, no supply issues. We've been able to keep up with demand, even as demand has grown significantly. And even with strawberry lemonade, we were able to produce this. We sold out of that initial batch to our wholesaler network almost immediately. Great problem to have. And we were able to quickly spread and get another one going right away. Are you able to share who produces it for you? We have, so we're headquartered in Newton, Massachusetts, and we're lucky as we continue to grow. We've been very fortunate with where, you know, with having the right partners to produce with us kind of spread around the country. A few. Okay. Got it. Cool. What do you think, Jay? I I mean, I think we had a very thorough chat there. Zeke, do you have any questions for us? No, I just, you know, I'm curious. If I have the opportunity, I'm going to take it. What you think, you know, what is your insight as to, and even your opinion, as to like where this segmentation of this, you know, we're starting to see this craft segmentation within the hard seltzer category. Where do you see that heading? 
I'll let Jordan answer first. <laughs> well, I had one question before you before you asked this question that I think might help explain it is, you know, a lot of people have been asking for kind of retailers to kind of thin out the hard seltzer space. And they said, you know, there was a lot of people that just jumped on the bandwagon and put out a bunch of bad hard seltzer. So I wanted to ask you if it's been thinning at all. Have you seen any progress on that front? But I do think there are some craft seltzers that can stand out and you're going to have your white claw. You're going to have your truly. It will be interesting to see how much focus they kind of start to shift towards their new spirits baseline. But I think anybody else macro, they're kind of wondering whether this is long-term or not. They had their one or two years of awesome sales. And then mm. now it's just a drag on, on their volumes, on their dollars. And yep. Boston, um, yeah. <laughs> and so I think the smaller brands will stand out. Yeah. But yeah, Jen, go ahead. And then if you don't mind taking that question about the progress on maybe thinning out some of the hard seltzer too. Oh yeah. I mean, I agree. I think that they're going to be fewer and fewer large hard seltzer players because to an extent, you know, insofar as we've got these like core flavors and stuff like that, you can only have so many of those that make sense, right? It becomes a little bit commoditized, but yeah, there's always going to be, I think, room for a craft more premium product in most segments. So sure. If it's yeah. differentiated, you know. Totally. And I think with us having that real sweet fruit does create that point of difference. You know, I think from what I've observed and even just having conversations with consumers, with retailers, that, you know, that consumer is looking to explore within the space. And there's not a lot of places outside, you know, innovation, traditionally, you know, for the last couple of years, kind of being more like, hey, we're innovating our package formats or the flavors that we're putting in our hard seltzer where I see Spindrift as a true innovation, you know, a place for that consumer to go and explore. And, you know, I do think, you know, I've mentioned it before, but that, that, that brand recognition of Spindrift also creates that point of difference along with that fruit, with the real squeezed fruit. And I think, you know, for us, as Spindrift, it's something that we're really, the spike is something that we're really proud to offer to our community. And I think it's an innovation that we're really proud to offer to the category as well. And I think we're, it's been very exciting and also very fulfilling to see how well it's been received in the market. And we're very excited for the road ahead. Nice. And then yeah, I guess that's it, right? Except, well, no, what are you seeing in shelf sets? Are you seeing like the Seltzer herd get thinned out a bit? <laughs> I uh, Yeah, I am seeing that a bit. I think, you know, we're all looking at the same ad deletes that we're seeing season yeah. over season. I think that where it's legal in the state, we're seeing RTDs, you know, spirit-based RTDs grab some shelf space and what was traditionally more of the, the beer cooler space there. I also think that continual addition of SKUs within the hard seltzer category was unsustainable. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not necessarily surprised to see it. I think that I look at Spindrift as a valuable asset in offsetting some of those category declines driven mainly by the larger producers. Yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. Cool. Does anybody have any cool Memorial Day plans besides drinking lots of Spindrift and Spindrift Spike? <laughs> yes, listener, please. All the Spindrift Spike <laughs> strawberry lemonade you can responsibly for those 21 and over. <laughs> yes. I am actually, we're taking sort of the staycation route, which we're very, I have two young daughters and that is a luxury to, to be able to have the, have to be able to have a little vacation right here at home. So looking forward to that. Absolutely. What about you both? 
I'm here at my wife's family's lake house right now. So that's why I got the different background. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> we drove up this morning and getting ready for the long weekend. Awesome. I'm jealous. Perfect. I need a second house. I need a family house. I'm like, <laughs> Jordan and Bianca, who's our another, who's our other associate. She was like, yeah, I'm going up to a family's place in Big Bear. And I'm like, must be so nice. I'm here <laughs> stuck in Austin, which, you know, they put an Hermes store on South Congress. So I'm pissed. No, it's going to be fun. Tomorrow, the kids are going to be swimming all day and I'll, we'll go to a brewery. We'll probably go to Jester King and, awesome. you know, just chill, watch movies. That's- they both of you sound like you have perfect Memorial Day plans. So you as well. Happy three day weekend. And yeah. thank you both again for having me. It really is. I wasn't exaggerating, Jay, when I said it. it's an honor to be here. So thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, awesome brand, awesome peeps, right? And thank you for sharing your insight with us. You've you have quite the pedigree, right? So <laughs> well, thank you. Cool. Much appreciated. Cheers. All right. All right. Have a great week. Sounds good. Cheers. Thank you.